0: Welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about how comics and pop culture impact life in society and vice versa. Coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas, I'm Kevin, and joining by way of Space Time Continuum Wormhole are my good friends Sean in Indiana.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And James in Kentucky. Hello. Before we get started in this episode, please hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, and follow us on social media, at Caption Life, on both Twitter and Instagram. You can also find out more info and past episodes at podpage.com slash life So, uh, are you all prepared for something cool? I mean, like, the three of us don't scream cool, per se, but the Scout's model is... What are you is, <laughs>
1: talking about? I do. Do you see this face? Do you see this face? I do. The scouts' motto has a face for podcasts. That's for sure. Wow, one (laughs) hundred percent, one hundred percent.
0: So I asked if you were prepared because the scouts' motto is always be prepared, and it is something very cool that we're going to do today. Uh, We get to welcome to the show. Uh, a very special guest, David Peppos. David is a former crime reporter turned storytelling professional. Uh, as the writer of Spencer and Locke, Going to the Chapel, Grand Theft Astro, and The O.Z., David's books have been featured in The Hollywood Reporter, ComicBook.com, and io9. And they've been ranked on the Barnes & Noble Best Comics and Graphic Novel list. Today, he is here to talk uh, about his new project, Scout's Honor. And uh, we're glad to have you, David. Welcome to the show. Hi,
2: uh thank you guys so much for having me. Uh uh I'm excited to be here, excited to talk Scouts Honor. And uh yeah, thanks so much for uh taking time out of your uh Saturday schedules to uh to to bring bring me on board.
0: Yeah, I actually had to cancel um like multiple uh again. There's nothing going on right now.
1: <laughs> you cancel play date with his kids, so that's about it. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. I, I
0: actually, I actually, we we got all the playing out of the way earlier today, so that I could we could record this. On Our last episode, um, we we found out when we were listening that uh, during the middle of it, my daughter came in. I muted my mic, so I muted um, Zoom, but I didn't mute the
1: recording, and you can hear me saying, yeah. "Caroline,
0: get out of here!" This is a recording a <laughs> podcast. I know. Uh, I'm,
1: gl- I'm glad. I'm glad Kevin caught that because that would have been in the episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so we, we, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, a lot of variables that can that can go on when we're um, when we're recording. But I'm, we're going to get we're jumping right into this interview. And uh, Sean is going to lead us off with our first question.
1: Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how you got into comics? Sure. Um, well, I,
2: I'm a third generation comic reader, um, So I come by it honestly. Uh, my mother was a comics fan. My grandfather was a comics fan. Um, I was actually just posting on Twitter before I hopped on. Um, my very first comic was amazing Spider-Man number three forty-six. Uh, it was right before Spider-Man and Venom had their fight on the Island. Um, and that like, I I was hooked. Um, that's, that's, that was all she wrote. Um, so yeah, I, I, I loved comics, uh, for as long as I can remember. Um, I, I I think I kind of got my big break, uh, right when I graduated from college, I, I interned at DC comics, uh, in, in 2008 I worked on books like Final Crisis and Batman R.I.P. and Green Lantern Secret Origin. Uh, it was a wonderful experience, and it kind of made me realize, like, oh, there are people who make a living in this industry. And kind of seeing all, all, the, different, um, all the different elements that go into making a comic, uh, both in the creative side, but also the publishing side. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, for those keeping score, the summer of 2008, there was also the worst economic crisis of my lifetime. And uh, so there were no jobs, um, but I was lucky enough that one of the uh, assistant editors, Janelle Aslan, was an alumni f- uh, at Newsarama. And so she connected me with her editor, Troy Brownfield, who wound up kind of being my mentor for a very long time, uh, still is my mentor. Um, and so I wound up writing as a reviewer at Newsarama for a very long time. Uh, when Troy retired his post as reviews editor, I wound up, uh, uh, he passed the torch to me. So I was there for about 12 years, um, you know, just kind of covering everything and anything that would be thrown at me. Um, meanwhile, I, I was working a, a day job or I guess I would say, uh, an evening job. I was working uh, as a newspaper reporter uh, for the Berkshire Eagle in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I covered crime and state politics, um, as well as doing one of uh, the and
0: same, I, those are, those are the exact same <laughs> thing, <laughs> uh,
2: covering, I, I, I did a lot of, uh, editing and, and pagination page design as well. Um, I wound up uh, going back to school. I, I, I uh, went to Columbia and studied publishing. Um, and kind of through a weird fluke, I wound up in a job in television as a result. Um, I, I gave my resume to someone at Simon Schuster who was owned by CBS and they needed an editor in their corporate PR department. So I wound up kind of looking, I worked actually very heavily on their primetime entertainment slots. Um, it was a stable job, but it didn't really fulfill me creatively. And so I started writing scripts of my own just to kind of keep myself occupied and, and, and to really kind of develop those muscles. Um, my first full length script was um, my first issue of Spencer and Locke. Um, and I really enjoyed writing that first issue. And so I said, well, you know, maybe I'll write an outline, see how that goes. And I really liked that. So I said, well, maybe I'll find an art team just to draw a couple pages, see how that feels. And those pages turned really well. And so I said, I'll just shop this around. Like, why not? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Um, I got an email from action lab entertainment um, about 20 minutes after my, I sent my submission um, saying, how soon do you think you could get this book done?
1: Wow. Um, nice.
2: That is a fluke by That's the way, awesome. that literally never happens and it has right. never happened since I, that was the, <laughs> the fastest. Yes. I've ever gotten. Um, But yeah, then you know, kind of, I I dipped my toe in the pool just enough that I fell into the deep end, and um, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. Um, You know, my 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 book Spencer and Locke uh, did well enough that I realized, oh, maybe this is maybe I could do this. Maybe I could be a comics writer, and um, so I've just been I've been doing that uh, pretty much steadily since then uh, with books like Spencer and Locke two, uh, the upcoming Spencer and Locke three, going to the Chapel um the oz uh the upcoming grand theft astro and uh my my new book scouts honor so it's a it's the best kind of busy and it really feels like um a leap of faith rewarded in a lot of very ways. cool
1: very cool That's awesome um
0: so your new your new book uh scouts honor is set in a uh, post-apocalyptic future what uh, what drew you to write that type of story yeah well so
2: what was interesting is the, the, the genesis of Scout's Honor. And for those who, who aren't familiar with the book, it's uh, about a post-apocalyptic cult that has risen from the ashes of a nuclear war. And their Bible is an old Boy Scout manual. Mm. And uh, the way that story kind of came to be, I, I, wasn't, I hadn't initially been looking to do a post-apocalyptic story where the seed kind of came from. I'd been watching a show called The Path on Hulu. Mm -hmm. Uh, starring uh, Aaron Paul, and it's basically about a a, a Scientology-style cult and what happens to Aaron Paul's character when he decides to defect and what happens to him and his wife and his family and his children as well as the kind of second-in-command of the cult who's been running things while their prophet is secretly on his deathbed. Um, I thought that was a really interesting series, and I thought, you know, what would be the weirdest thing that, a cult could use as their bible and it kind of hit me oh a boy scout manual like and and once i thought about that kind of realizing well how do you build a cult you have to isolate them um, uh, either physically or preferably uh, uh, ideologically and so that's where the 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 post-apocalyptic element came from As as i said you know history is like a game of telephone right uh, you know, we're, we're every generation. We tell the stories, things get twisted, things get left out, things get mutated. There's m- mythology mm-hmm. that starts building and eventually kind of bending back on itself. Um, I said, well, what happens if we cut the game of telephone or in a new dark ages and human beings like continuity? What kind of scraps from the old world would we grasp onto to try to mm-hmm. build a new foundation for ourselves? And um, yeah, that really kind of. Once I started thinking like that, I was like, Oh, there's some like really cool thematic stuff we can play with. And the world building is so fun.
0: Yeah. And because, um, cause you get a chance, you know, if you write a story that's take place in within the, the time period that we sure. are in now or in previously you, you're limited by the context of history, but like right. in writing the future, you can make it whatever you want sure. to be. Um,
2: yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting because you're always trying to find like a different angle, or how to like what to hinge your story on sometimes it's about the character you know there's something so interesting about a character that that kind of the the whole story bends around them um sometimes it's about you know like a piece of technology especially if you're doing sci-fi a piece of, of technology that kind of changes the game and it's sort of okay what happens for the rest of the world now that this thing exists um Scout's Honor was so interesting because, yeah, there's, there's the world the, the, of, of, uh, of the Colorado Badlands. But what's so interesting is it's really the organization that is, is so interesting. And people want to know, like, okay, well, you know, what is this Boy Scout iconography? How is that mutated? And so uh, it's been a really fun and interesting way to attack a story. It's mm-hmm. not a way that I think I would often get to do that. So it's been a really fun challenge
1: uh, as far as putting the story together. So when you were like a kid, yeah. were you a Boy Scout or so, was this just uh, something else that popped up? Yeah.
2: My younger brothers were both Boy Scouts. And I think that was oh. like the kernel of all this. It was um, I, I'm the oldest of four. My younger siblings are triplets. And um, oh, wow. so I think for me, I was like the the the, the space monkey child like my parents were still figuring it out um whereas my, my siblings it was like let's put them in as many extracurriculars as we can uh just to like keep them off the streets
1: and
0: um <laughs> let's, so, avoid the, let's avoid this let's avoid those mistakes we made with david yeah exactly <laughs> right. um now that and, there's three of them <laughs> uh, see,
2: seeing my, my two younger brothers as boy scouts um i think that was like the kernel of, of where this story came from was for them, it was all about the camaraderie and learning practical skills and hanging out with your friends. And yeah, there's a little friendly rivalry going on, but um, you know, you you feel like you belong. It's it's a group that you belong in. Whereas if you're on the outside looking in, you know, you see all the costumes and you see all the rituals and you see all these like laws, and you don't have to squint too hard for it to start looking like a cult right and um
0: hey, but cosplay you know, is a uh, lot like the cosplay is a lot like the boy scouts just with more flair yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: it it was one of those things it's like just remembering kind of seeing my brothers you know in, in their meetings and then doing my own research on the on the boy scouts as an organization there it's right. a really it's a rich organization it has so much iconography and that's something i always really gravitate towards in my stories is kind of figuring out like okay there's a certain level of expectation that Mm -hmm. people are going to go in with a story. So for the boy Scouts, you're going to think, all right, merit badges. You're going to think about wilderness survival. You're going to think about, you know, the Eagle Scouts, Um, uh, you know, you're going to think about like the, 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 the boy scout pocket knife. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, those things like, all right, how do I hit as many of those as I can? And then how do I mutate that through kind of the lens of this distorted history? Right. Uh, And so it's, it's been, it's been really fun, and it's 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 spoken, I think, a lot to to my upbringing, um, politically and religiously, and you know, just being able to f- find different ways to fold in uh, a, a spiritual side to this otherwise kind of like badass, you know, post apocalyptic Boy Scout cult,
0: mm-hmm. and,
2: and really kind of ma- putting my characters to the ringers. They really kind of figure out what tests their faith. What do they believe? And, you know, how do they how do they balance right and wrong, especially in the face of some information that's really going to kind of knock their whole worldview off their axis? Right.
0: So. So speaking of some of that, you, you deal with some very um, deep, interesting issues uh, in the book, you know, social hierarchy, religion, uh, radicalism, gender roles. Is, is that something that you felt drawn to write about? Um yeah. and and how do you how do you draw the line between like creating contextual layers for the story and mm-hmm. like standing on a soapbox?
2: Sure. Well, so I I think so much of the, of the themes that I was tackling with this book, I I think they were there was something that that came naturally with the concept. Um I I I feel like I I I always kind of let the concept dictate what what angles I'm going to try to take. Um and I think I think um, that, that's, that is a, a method of, of trying to address themes. It's not the only one, but it's the one that works for me. Um, I, I feel like, for example, looking at gender roles, um, that, that was out of necessity, uh, as far as this book is concerned. Uh, I, I, when I, uh, pitched Aftershock, uh, I had said, you know, here's a few ideas, uh, you know, if you like any of them, I'm happy to develop them for you. And, Scout uh, Scout's Honor was the one they really zoomed in on And as soon as they said, that's the one, I was like, crap, because (laughs) I realized in 2019, when I pitched this, I was like, it's 2019, I can't do an all dude story. It's just not going to fly, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I realized like, no, lean into that, that would be weird. Um, You know, what happens to a woman who's having to kind of navigate this like hyper masculine patriarchal cult? Mm-hmm. And so that's often a lot of my process is like figuring out like how do I lean into it, uh, how do I solve one problem with another? Um, you know, uh, I, I think the idea of uh, tackling a cult, you know, that automatically uh, speaks to my spiritual side. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so much of this book, in a lot of ways, was autobiographical. I, I didn't grow up in a cult, but um, I <laughs> I grew up in a a pretty religious and politically conservative house in
0: Missouri. Welcome. Welcome to the safe space. Yeah. We are all all kind of from that same, that same background. We've touched on it on the podcast before. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But the thing that was so interesting for me was, you know, when I left home for the first time, I suddenly like had to really recalibrate in a big way. There were a lot of things that I was raised that, the one plus one did, was like, it, it'd be like being told one plus one equals three and then going out into the real world and finding out, no, it only equals two. Right. And it can be really disorienting to kind of have to recalibrate your, your internal compass, knowing that you you're, you're saying, I have my, my, my ethical values and my spiritual values, but kind of knowing, Oh, this is what the, this is what it looks like in the real world.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and uh, that was something that, I think is really universal. It's a, it's a coming of age thing. You know, it's, everybody kind of has to recalibrate when they leave home um, and that they're out in the real world. And so that really informed um, Scott's honor in a big way. Um, particularly my, my identity as a Jewish person. Um, you know, I, I, the thing I love about Judaism is that it's a religion based on literary analysis You know, you've got five different rabbis taking one passage and getting 10 different interpretations.
1: (laughs) And we keep all that
2: material in the notes and the margins. Um, But my spiritual journey is very different than that of my parents, which is very different than that of their parents. You know, there's a wide spectrum of belief and tradition and interpretation and execution. Um, In contrast, my, my partner, she was raised Catholic and she's no longer a member of the church. Um, You know, after the Catholic priest scandal, um, he said like, I I, I can't be a part of an organization that would sweep something under the rug like that. Mm -hmm. And you see parallels to that. I mean, the Boy Scouts themselves have had scandals just like that. Mm -hmm. And so taking these stories and kind of melding them together, Kit's journey winds up becoming, you know, what do I keep? And what is, what do I need to take out? Mm -hmm. What, what can't stay? And then, moreover how does she kind of fill the void um and that's 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 a question that I, there's no easy answers to right.
0: um
2: but this this book is very much about living a truthful life living an authentic life um you know in the case of kit and her best friend des it's they they have personal secrets that are just systemic to who they are you know having to to hide who you are is a tough way to live. Mm. Um, whereas The the Ranger Scouts, without spoiling too much, they have like a secret that's really sinister. It's a very ends justify the means burying this thing. And uh, that's the thing is when you've been living in lies for so long, not only are the lies oppressive and the lies stifling, but it means that when you kind of rip off the veil, the truth becomes blinding. It can be painful. But I think living an authentic life, I think that's, that's ultimately worth the cost. Um, and that's something that, that kitten does, uh, and everybody in scouts on really is, is, it's something they're all going to be grappling with.
0: I just, I feel like I just want to sit and talk to David outside of the podcast after that. Thank you. Like we could deep, <laughs> we could deep dive the four of us into, into the conversations that the three of us have had before.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun if we could ever this is, this is do that.
0: I hear all, I hear all the time, like that women go to therapy and that men start podcasts. <laughs> it's it's so true like like i didn't know there were other people that felt this way about things and it's it's i don't know it's it's very it's very encouraging to to find uh, another kindred spirit
2: well it's encouraging to hear that somebody else feels the same way um that's that's the, the 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 scary part about writing in general is you you write something and you try to be as like truthful with it as you can you try to find like some sort of emotional hook Mm-hmm. And then you kind of put it out there and it's it's like taking a, a step down the stairs and you miss a stair. You're kind of like, oh, am I going to like, am I going to land properly? Um, or if anybody here has like jumped out of a plane, because if anybody's done skydiving, you sort of, you take that step out of the plane and there's no step. There's no, there's no, you just fall and you don't know. I mean, you assume you're going to do okay. Uh, right. You know, uh, that's why I always do it tandem because uh, there's, there's extra vested interest in making sure that it goes well. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's sort of that moment you catch your breath and you're like, Oh boy, I hope this hits. <laughs> um, so it's,
1: uh,
2: it's nice to hear that. So thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Um, so in, in writing the story and the creative process, at what point did you decide to make the Scoutmaster look like, you know, Jesus of the Thunderdome? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. You know, it's funny when I, that was pretty early on. I had a pretty strong idea of what Scoutmaster Shepherd was going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a fun villain to write in, be- in 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 because he, you know, he's a true believer. He's got mm-hmm. absolute conviction. And also I it's so rare to be able to get to write a character who could just naturally speechify the way that he does. He's kind right. of got this grandiose way of speaking. And um that's fun. I I find I find like the more grandiose it's it's easier to write uh, mm-hmm. uh conversely when you have to write characters in a natural way, but still kind of have a little bit of kick, you're kind of like, all right, like, is this too artificial? Or is like, is this, is is the one-liner good enough that it like justifies being a little artificial? For Scoutmaster Shepard, I didn't have to worry about that. Um, I was just like, oh, that guy can, you know, he loves the sound of his own voice. It's totally cool. Um, so yeah, I, I had a pretty good idea in my mind's eye pretty quickly of what I wanted him to be. I think I even had written in the script that I was like, imagine like a post-apocalyptic, like general Jesus, um, you know, like a warrior prophet. Um, and Luca Casalinguida, uh, my artist in the book, uh, we did not need to go back and forth on that. It was like the very first uh, uh, version of him. I was like, yep, that's the guy. Uh, so yeah, he, uh, he's, he's, yes it was very intentional and it was intentional pretty much from the moment i turned in like my first script right that was that was the direction for the job
1: nice so um i've read all three of these books so far and in ways i feel like i'm trying to play like one-on-one against lebron james and getting my Angles broke all the time because there's all these kind of twists and turns. And I'm like, and just like every time it blows my mind because, you know, when we first learned that, uh, kids, so woman's like, boom, and it just blows your mind. Um, and then just, as you keep going on, there's just all these kind of twists. So, um, and then it's just like, as soon as I kind of pick my, job back up <laughs> there's another d- great twist. So um so I was just kind of wondering how does your brain put those puzzle pieces <laughs> together in, you know, the process of sure. scripting and rotting.
2: So some of it I, I, I will say I feel like Scouts Honor and my my previous book, The O Z, that I, I did on Kickstarter, I feel like I stepped up my twisty game a little bit. Um, on those, like the, both of those books feel very twisty. And I feel like Scouts Honor in particular, like I, I was just like, well, I'm just going to keep throwing twists, uh, you know, in, into the book. It just, uh, people seem to like it. And it, it, it was a fun way to kind of, uh, uh, keep people on their toes. Um, for me, I'm always thinking, um, what's the end of the issue going to look like? I'm always thinking like, um, you know, you might think of it as like a commercial break, but I'm always thinking of it as like. Like the speed ramps from Mario Kart, you know, where like, all right, like, I need to, if I hit this right, people are going to be like, oh, I have to see what happens next. And so I, I tend to try to think pretty hard about how, how it ends. Um, some books, it's a little easier than others. I think Scouts Honor lends itself to those kinds of twists because mm-hmm. it is like, oh, she finds a secret about her cult. And then you, you automatically start thinking, like, all right, well, what else are they hiding? Um, and so it, it lends itself well to that. Um, you know, for me, I, I, I'm i trying to figure out what the landmarks are, you know. Um, I, I think, what's the twist, and sort of what's each individual issue's high concept? Um, you know, like, Scout's Honor is the story of a post-apocalyptic cult, but that doesn't mean, like, you know, the third issue is about the, the, the Eagles Guard trials, you know, um, whereas, you know, Issue four is, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything, but, um, you know, issue, the last issues are usually the easiest ones for me to figure out. I just, I usually just write, okay, I have to wrap it up. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, yeah, for, first and last issues are, are, are usually easier. And it's the middle ones that I'm like, oh, I'm agonizing. And I'm kind of like, all right, like what can I do? What kind of set piece can I add into this that like elevates from the first issue, which is mostly introduction. And so I always say my first issues are always the quiet ones. Um, issue two, that's usually when thing, like pedal goes straight to the metal. And I'm kind of like, all right, like what's a fun set piece I can do here mm-hmm. that sort of flips the whole thing on its head. And then issue three is like, oh, my character's on the ropes. Um, you know, there's some sort of, that they, they have to, they, they have to really dig in deep to pull this thing off. And if I get a fifth issue, then, then it's sort of like, Oh, you know, they, they might've won the battle, but lost the war. now they're really like on the back foot. Um, You know, what's their kind of deepest, darkest point? How do I get them out of this? Um, But yeah, it's, it's a lot of trial and error, uh, a lot of notes, a lot of bouncing ideas off of my loved ones. Um, You know, my, my poor girlfriend has to hear me we've been working from home for years and so like she'll hear me just say like random things i'll be like what do you think about this and um <laughs> she's not a comics fan which is great so it means that like i can have like a civilian be able to tell me like does this make sense right uh, or is, am i just speaking in tongues uh uh-huh. Uh, or or talking with my diehard comics fans, uh, uh, friends where they're kind of like, no, you just invented the matrix or you just invented some other genre movie. Like you should probably back off on that one. Um, But it takes time. Um, Outlines are hard. I I feel like that's the hardest part of the process for me. Um, I'm in the middle of an outline right now that has been kind of kicking my butt for the the last few weeks. Um, I'm chiseled my way through about 80% of it. The problem is is that the 20% that's left is like the stuff that the whole book hinges on. Mm. So once I kind of get through that, there's going to be a lot of edits that I have to work my way backwards on. So, um,
0: yeah. Is that something like, I've, I'm going to be honest with you, I noticed on a lot of the stuff that I've read uh, in the last several years, yeah. that story building in issues that's, um, you know, in early issues, seems really, really great and well paced. And then a lot of comics seem like they take the um, final season of Game of Thrones <laughs> model, and that the ending just feels rushed and incomplete. Is that it something does. that you try to consider, like when you're outlining? Like I've got five issues yeah. to do this the right way, and
2: yeah, it's it, it's a challenge. Um, you know, it, the the more stripped down the story, the easier it is to kind of fit into 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 a smaller arc. Um, you know, Spencer and Locke and going to the chapel—they're normal people existing in our world. There's really no a uh, crazy amount of superpowers that you have to explain, um, you know, besides, besides Locke and, and inventing his own partner and best friend, um, you kind of immediately, you're able to make that shorthand pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you have something like Scats Honor, where you have like a whole world you have to introduce, doing it in four issues is really challenging. Right. Um, the, the thing I'll also say that is kind of a trend across the industry, um, and, and you see it in issues two through five of Scats Honor as well, is a, uh, it used to be 22 pages was the metric and now um, it's 20 and boy, I always say my kingdom for two more pages. Uh, You know, it's, it, it is a, when you cut 10% of your real estate, you don't realize like that's an important 10% that you have to really think creatively. on. like, all right, how do I bridge this gap with this much less space in a way that like is not going to kill my artist or make my editor mad at me. Um, But yeah, you know, I, I am always thinking, I'm always trying to think of my stories in like uh, I think about it as the ending, you know? So like, for example, star Wars, I see, I think of that as the story of how Luke Skywalker blew up the death star, not the story of how Luke Skywalker, you know, gets introduced to Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and the Jedi Knights and becomes a member of the resistance and takes the fight to Darth Vader. That's how people consume that story sequentially But as a writer, you, you know, you wouldn't hop in the car and go on a road trip and not know where you're going. You know, you're like, I'm going, I'm driving from Los Angeles to St. Louis, or I'm driving to Detroit, or I'm driving to Florida. And then the story becomes like all the landmarks you hit along the way. Um, So I I work, I work pretty hard trying to figure out like, what are those landmarks? What are the, 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 the spots that I know I want to hit? um in order to kind of to to hinge the rest of my story on it um but it's a you know it's it takes a while you know it's a, it i think i liken it to being in a in a in a dark room with a blindfold on and you have to kind of feel your way through the room um you know and, and you might have laundry on the floor on one side and you might have lego pieces on another and you might have like a pet on the other side and you're trying your best not to like kick a dog or you know step in a lego piece there's you just want to kind of get to your bed. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of trial and error. Um, and I, I, I always say, I wish I worked a lot faster than I do. Um, but uh, at the same time, I'd, I'd rather get it done right than get it done fast.
0: Right. That's, it's, I always tell my kids that too. I want you to do a good job, not a fast job. Yeah. Um, so being, being a writer for visual media, uh, you just touched on a lot of these things, but um, about your process, but the, the comic is a beautifully drawn yeah. Uh, comic. Um, I'm just yeah. curious, does like you thinking about things in a very cinematic way, how does it stack up uh, versus the vision that you had in your head when you got started? Yeah. Well, you know, so much of comics is like you have an idea in your head,
2: and then it, it just, it's by virtue of the medium, there's compromise, it's there, it, there's an evolving vision. Um, you know, depending on how you connect with your artist and how well you know your artist you can sometimes kind of game out how you think they're going to draw something. But to be honest, um, my metric as a writer is always going to be very different than my artists. You know, I can, I can crank out a script. Once the outline is done, I can crank out a script in a week or two. Um, Whereas my art teams, you know, if I'm really being lucky, they'll get an issue done every six to seven weeks, but it's usually closer to like eight to 10 um, so yeah, it's it's uh it's one of those things that you just kind of have to look out for the best artists you can and the, just trust that just like they have to trust you to do your job, you have to trust that they'll be able to do their job. And yeah, sometimes like you'll have notes like it is a back and forth, and sometimes you'll be like, well,, uh, we need to add in this thing to make sure that this plot point is set up properly. Uh, sometimes the artist doesn't have time and you're like, okay, well, I have to figure out how to set this up in the lettering or the coloring um, because we don't have time for the line artist to to, to make corrections. Other times, um, you know, the artist will kind of throw you a curveball and you'll be like, huh, that's actually kind of additive. And I'm going to kind of tweak the story a little bit as a result uh, to really lean into that. Um, Scout Sounder was an interesting book for me. This was the first time that most of my projects I've handpicked every single person I've worked with. Um, you know, I'm the one kind of having to, 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 to do the scouting and the recruiting and the hiring and the management, um, which is a, its own separate muscle group from writing. Um, and one that takes a lot of a lot of it out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, Scouts Honor is the first time I worked with like editors um, who actually match made my creative team. Um, I, I was actually familiar with Luca's work. Um, I had appro- approached him for another project years ago. Um, and he was busy working on a small independent title called James Bond. Um, <laughs> but,
1: uh, <laughs> uh nice.
2: so when my editors, uh, Christina Harrington and Mike Marts mentioned, Oh, Lucas just, he just came off of his book, uh, lost soldiers over at image. And he's looking for his next project. I was like, well, yeah, definitely. Like let's bring Luke on. I, 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 I was already a huge fan of his work. And, um, I remember Christina saying, um, how do you feel about Matt Miller on colors? (laughs) I distinctly remember asking her, oh, are we allowed to do that? (laughs) Um, You know, she she knew Matt um, from her time at Marvel. Um, But I'm a huge fan of his work. Uh, You might know him from uh, his work on Daredevil with Ron Garney. Mm
1: -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. Um, But uh, Matt is just terrific. Um, You know, colors, the secret of comics is that art makes or breaks your comics, but colors make or break your art. Mm-hmm. So having somebody like Matt, who I just like, we don't need to hold his hand. Like I know that he, he knows his best angles and I know, or his best palettes in this case. Um, and he knows how to make Luca look good. Um, and not that Luca needs any help looking good, but you know, finding the right colorist can elevate any artist. Uh, right. Whereas finding the wrong colors can kind of hobble any artist. So um, yeah, it was just uh in this case, Scouts Honor kind of felt like being in a bullet train. Um, the, the speed of getting all of our chapters done was the fastest I've ever had a book come together. Um, and so there was a lot of, for the script writing stage, it was measure twice, cut once. Just figure out what information does Luca need to get this thing done, that he doesn't have to ask any questions, that he doesn't have to guess on it. Because, yeah, Luca was delivering um, an issue every, I think, like six to seven weeks Mm-hmm. Um, which is insane for somebody as talented as he is. So, um, yeah, it was just, uh, but knowing that I trusted Luca to do the work, um, it really took a lot off my shoulders, just knowing that, like, I knew he could handle it and I knew he would, he would, he would translate this into something really
0: special. So I want to give you a compliment because your whole team and you can pass this stuff along. Um, we've already mentioned spoiler alert that in the first issue, we find out that kid is, is a girl. Sure. There, there is a, for, from someone that's read comics for 30 years, there is like this, you know, when you're, when you're reading through something, you, you find yourself absorbed into the story or to the art and, and you feel, you feel, um, sometimes you can feel like you're neglecting one for the other, yeah. um, because you're following the text and you're not you're the like the, it's almost like looking at the text here, and then the images are out of focus behind. It. There's a, the point in which you find out that Kit is a girl in this um, in this issue, in issue number one. Um, it's a full page thing. Yep. The setup for everything is all in the the text, the speech bubbles, the story, mm-hmm. and the twist comes in the image. And it's like the perfect place where those two things like come together. And it's brilliant. I literally was like looking at it at my computer and I stood up and walked away because I was like, <laughs> I, 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 didn't see it coming. Um, and it's, and I, I just thought, I thought it was brilliant. So kudos to you guys on that. We worked very hard
2: on that page. Um, there was a lot of back and forth in that one, um, both in the way that like, how are we were going to portray this? But also like even where in the issue is going to pop up. Um, there was some discussion at one point that that reveal was going to be more towards the end. Okay. So I
0: thought time. it was, I swear to God, I thought, Oh my gosh, that's a great way to like, leave the, leave it's, the first issue. But then, then I kept reading and like James said, there's more, there's more, more twists. Twist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I, I remember having, we had a I had a long discussion with my editors um, where I, 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 I don't, I, I tend not to, to, find too many hills to die on. But that was the hill that I was like, I'm going to die on this one. Um, that I was like, I want to give that, I want to give that reveal some room. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that in, and doing it at the midpoint of the story is like the best place to do it. Um, and I'm glad that I kind of stuck to my guns on that one. Cause I, I do feel like everyone was kind of so reeling from the first twist that then the second twist, like really knocked people in their ass. Um, but yeah, Luca and I, we, we talked a lot about how we are going to portray that scene because um, I, I, I'm, I'm not an idiot. Like I figured like this story, there's going to be like allegories to, to the LGBTQ experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kit having to, to bind her chest, like there are, are trans people all over the world who are doing that. Um, and so figuring out a way that like, that it wasn't supposed to be titillating. It wasn't supposed to be sexy. It wasn't supposed to be funny. Um, it wasn't supposed to be like edgy for the sake of edgy. This is right. just like a character, kind of showing us who she is in in, in the most vulnerable way possible, um, and so I I'll admit, even until the first issue came out, I was kind of like biting my nails, just being like, oh boy, I hope I hope we pulled it off, you know, I hope that this like has come across respectfully, mm-hmm. you know, and in a way that like I. I I know that I kind of tackle some hot button stuff in a lot of my work and my thing is I never want to punch down. Um, You know, I've got a platform that I'm really privileged to have and I want to make sure that like real people, uh, whether they're, they're, they're trans people or people dealing with gender identity uh, or, you know, in the, in the case of the OZ people, you know, military people who are grappling with PTSD um, I want to make sure that people aren't feeling like, Oh, well, he's just exploiting us or right. oh, he's being thoughtless with our experience or, Oh, he's making light of our struggles. Right. And so, um, that's, that, that is a conversation I often have with my artists in some form or fashion is just like, okay, how do we do this in a way that, that like, isn't going to punch down. Hmm. Uh, so I'm really thrilled yeah. that Luca pulled it off and, uh, uh, boy, I breathed a huge sigh of relief when the book came out and people seemed to really go for oh, it. And
1: you get the chef's kiss on that. Oh, thank you. Like I was reading it, you know, on my tablet and I was just scrolling down and I saw that I'm like, oh my God, and my wife's like, What's wrong? I'm like, Kits a girl. Like yep. she's like, what's that even mean? Because she doesn't read comics or, <laughs> it, or there's, you know, there's anything. Just, And I'm just like, wow, it was phenomenal. And there's so many
0: layers to that because because, like, the reveal that she's a girl, but also, like, because it's the the Boy Scouts. Like, just yes. the just the way the connotation of that that word has is it's not just that she's a boy. She's a girl pretending to be a boy in a post-apocalyptic world. She's pretending to be a Boy Scout. And I will say this. I'm glad that I read the issue before I looked at any of the reviews because mm-hmm. a lot of the reviews say it's like, it's a mix of like fallout right. and Mulan. And, right. and I'm like, well, that would have ruined it for me. Like that would have been right. able to guess it. I would have seen it coming.
2: You know, I, I it was one of those things I, I'm partially to blame for that because um the way that I marketed the book, I, 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 I did, I, I, I didn't keep that under wraps. Um I didn't. And it, it, it was one of those things specifically because I was kind of like, if people know what they're getting themselves into in this capacity, that they know that it's a story that's like post-apocalyptic Mulan. Um, I would said Mad Max meets Mulan when I talked about right. this book. Mm-hmm. Um, that if they knew that kind of going in, that reveal would, wouldn't be seen as titillating. Where right. I was worried if I sort of kept that under, un, uh, under lock and key, that people would see that and they'd be like, oh, that's his big twist. Whereas that's not actually the big twist here. Uh, You know, the fact that like that something's rotten in Denmark, that's the, that's the twist that I really wanted to make sure that nobody
1: knew about.
0: Right.
2: Um, And so uh, some of it's a little misdirection and some of it's a little uh, fourth dimensional chess uh, in terms of the publicity and marketing of it all. Um,
0: But yeah, it's, it's. uh, When you go back, when you go back and look at some of the covers for Mm -hmm. the, um, for the book, versus like the interior art mm-hmm. once you know it you look at the cover and you're like she does look a little bit more feminine yeah. on on the cover it's it's very subtle but it's
2: it's Andy Clark is terrific i i uh, i knew of Andy's work um from my time at DC um mm-hmm. working on uh, he worked on uh Rebels uh the Legion of Superheroes spinoff um and i know he's tight with Mike Marts um one of my editors in the book and so um they just, they, they didn't even tell me that he was doing covers. They just were like, what do you think about this for the first issue? And I was like, that's amazing. Um, and, and having him with uh, Jose Villarubia, um, on colors for those covers, I, I've known Jose for a little while. Um, he was the editor on a book called Infidel. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I met him at the Ringo Awards a few years ago and told him how much I enjoyed that. And so, um, having Jose work on any element of my book, I, I was just, uh, I'm shocked at how talented he is um, and seeing the magic that Andy and Jose have done on uh, all five of our covers. Um, they're terrific. I, I think they are some of the most beautiful covers that I've, I've had on any of my series and I've been lucky enough to work with some really talented cover artists. Um, but uh, yes, I, I i hope that this is not the last time I get to work with Andy and Jose. Cause they, they really are a dream team.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So you know, as we kind of begin to wrap up here, we've got a fun one for you, we hope. Shoot. So, supposedly, Aftershock did these uh, scout badges that came with the comics here, but they almost seem to see be somewhat of like a mythical object from what I'm kind of seeing <laughs> on Twitter and stuff. So, do they, do, these, exist. do they actually exist? And kind of, was that kind of the plan from the beginning to have those?
2: So, yeah, um, it's funny, Steve Rotterdam, who's, um, uh, SVP of marketing over at Aftershock. I've known him since my time at DC. And so Steve was one of the people that really kind of like he and, and, and uh, the uh, president Lee Kramer, um, and, and, uh, Ruthie Thompson, um, the, uh, senior retailer representative, I feel like they all kind of did like a full court press, um, to like say, okay, we really want to work with David. Like, let's find something to work on together. And, um, when they greenlit the series and I was waiting for my contract to come in, um, I saw Steve at uh Baltimore comic-con and he's like, so we have to do uh boy scout patches. Right. And I was like, Oh, I'm already way ahead of you. They're in the story. Like it's a big important part of it. Um, what's funny is like when we're gearing up uh, in, in pre-orders uh, they're like, okay, we need you to come up with 14 of these. I was like, what? So uh, it, it, <laughs> that wound up being the back matter of our first issue. And actually it was a really yeah. fun way to kind of, uh, get to flesh out the world of the ranger scouts and flesh out their religion a little more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it was in, in a lot of ways, it was like extra story pages for me. And so I was like, I'm not going to look at gift horse in the mouth. Like, yeah, I'm going to any, I, I will, I will beg borrow and steal to to get a little bit more real estate. Um, but yeah, uh, so the way that it works is, uh, any store that ordered uh 20 copies or more of the first issue, um, they would get, uh, I believe two badges, one for the, the, the main cover and some for the incentive cover, which I think was for every 15, uh, orders sold. And then, uh, issues two through five is any store that ordered 10 or, or, yeah, order 10 or more copies. So, um, if, if you're a store that ordered uh, more than 10 copies and you didn't get, uh, your, your badges, uh, just message, uh, Steve, uh, at, at Aftershock, um, and he can kind of help coordinate getting badges uh, it's funny I, I i didn't expect people to be as die hard about the badges as they
1: were <laughs> right um
2: you know i i i feel like i feel like i didn't really know any of the details about like order minimums or anything until the very end of my pre-order window um but uh yeah i at least at least once a week i have somebody being like oh like how do you get this badge um so there are four <laughs> out right now um there will be i don't know there are five out right now uh yes there are five out currently if i uh no there are four out currently i don't know how to do math um there are four out currently um and then we'll have another one out for the f- issue four another one out for issue five another one out for the trade there will be some other ones uh available um some of them are going to be super limited um mm-hmm. some of them are going to be like it cons when cons come back i believe right. this is the uh i think there was one that was going to be coming out possibly at comics pro the comics pro summit um cool. but yes they do exist there are 14 of them um and uh they are super 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 limited edition i can't wait for somebody to finally come up to me having like a sash with all 14 of them um oh, that'd be awesome Mm-hmm. I I will say is people always ask me like can I get some from you and I'm like I only have 5 sets. Uh, <laughs> it's so, like those aren't going anywhere. Those, those are going like,
0: on eBay for for mint when <laughs> those, those, <laughs> right. I was like I
2: was like it was like one for me one for my girlfriend, one for each of my parents, and then like a fifth one just for an emergency. Um, so he, 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 they're not even giving me the badges, uh, but uh, I can't. Yeah, uh, I can't
0: wait to be at a con and see somebody recycle their buddy Christ um, cosplay <laughs> as the scoutmaster. <laughs> yeah, and the, Scout red, the red sash just has the um, like all the. All the you know, badges badges. I, love, <laughs> I would love that. That would be that would be so funny. Somebody's reading this comic right now and it's like, dude, I've already got this costume. <laughs> I would love to
2: see Scouts Hunter cosplay. I feel like that's very doable. Um and uh that would really make my day. I've been I I've I haven't gotten a ton of cosplay uh for my books. Um I think I got one person to do Spencer and Locke, or maybe two people to do Spencer and Locke. Mm-hmm. Uh but, uh, yeah, uh, scouts honor. please. Like, uh, when cons come back, uh, cosplay, heck, if you want to just cosplay and just like send it to me on Twitter, I will, that'll make my day. I will gladly signal boost any of that.
1: That's awesome. Well, Hey David, before we let you go, can you let our yeah. listeners know uh, where they can find you on the web and social media? Yeah.
2: So you can uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Pepos D it's my last name and first initial, um, or David Pepos comics on Facebook. You can also subscribe to my newsletter, Pep Talks, at bit.ly/slash pep news, uh, or visit my website, davidpepos.com, where uh, I'm selling copies of every single book that's uh, out in stores right
1: now.
0: I wish I had a name like that, I could have a, something called Pep Talks. <laughs> <laughs> Jealous. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Caption Life. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed listening to us. Uh, don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out, tag us in your posts For more info about us and all of our previous episodes, please visit podpage.com/slash/the-caption-life. Until next time, always
1: be prepared. <laughs>